0: Sunrise with Shona Hot 1027 Good morning beautiful people of God. It's wonderful to be back with you again this morning. You're listening to Sunrise with Shona on Hot 1027. I hope that you've all had a really good week. Now I wonder how many of you wrote letters in your childhood, perhaps even your early adulthood, as I did. I even wrote letters to my parents when I came up to university in Johannesburg. And I was reminded of the art of letter writing. When I was packing up my mom's home last year and I found a whole lot of letters. Letters written by myself, my brothers, my sister and perhaps the best one of all was a letter written from my dad to my mom and it was a love letter and it was about 60 years old. And I think perhaps we've lost that art of letter writing with WhatsApp and all the way we send messages now. But there are letters that we're going to look at this morning and we're going to look at Paul's letters where he wrote to two young men, Timothy and Titus, Who were both training under him if you like he was mentoring them and paul was asking them to establish churches and sharing knowledge with them on how to do this and how they should conduct themselves and we'll be looking at that in more detail soon before i look at those letters of paul we need to look at the gospel reading and the gospel reading set for that day was john chapter 10 verses 1 to 10 and jesus writes the following well he says the following very truly i tell you pharisees Jesus used this figure of speech, but the Pharisees did not understand what he was telling them. Therefore Jesus said again, Very truly I tell you, I am the gate for the sheep. All who come before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep have not listened to them. I am the gate. Whoever enters through me will be saved. They will come in and go out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. I just love that. Jesus came that we may have life and have it to the full. And I wonder if you recognize the I am statement from last week, where I challenged you to write five I am statements for yourself. There's Jesus saying, I am the gate. It's one of his I am statements. And it makes it very clear, very clear to all of us, that the way um, to inherit this fullness of life, to experience this fullness of life, and to have life to the full as Jesus expresses it, is through Jesus, through living the way Jesus lived, because he actually came to show us how to live. So Jesus is the gate. I'm sure, like me, Sheddings taught you all a lot about gates. I know that I I can actually climb over the gate, but obviously can't get my car in. And when the battery runs flat and we haven't had power for a long time, um, it becomes very frustrating. But here we are told that spiritually and in the way we live our lives, Jesus is that gate and Jesus is accessible for all of us. All we need to do is follow him. Now, what did that involve? For me, Jesus embodied. He embodied love, obviously. we told that he is love. But he also embodied grace, servant leadership. Um, he embodied forgiveness. He embodied reconciliation. And above all, something that I've never really focused on is he embodied passion. He was passionate about God, about people, about Jerusalem, passionate enough to give up his own life on the cross so that we might have that fullness of life that he talks about. Jesus wept over Jerusalem. So we see his passion and his zeal and the pace in which he lived, moving from place to place, sharing the word, reaching out to all, reaching out the marginalized, the outcasts, facing criticism, facing attacks from the leadership of the day. I know that I personally have often preached on how Paul was zealous for God but I haven't ever looked at the passion that Jesus had for God, for people, for life and the way in which um, he lived out that passion. Now I know that people often ask me when they come to me young people and they say they don't know what to do. How can they find out what they should be doing with their lives? One of the first questions I ask them is what are you passionate about? Because if you're not passionate about what you're doing then you might not do it to the best of your ability. You might be able to force yourself to. But most people really come into their best and do their best when they are passionate about what they're doing. So we need to recognize that Jesus is passionate. And if we want to enter through his gate, we also need then to change our lives and be passionate about God and about people and about the way in which we live our lives. When we look at Timothy and Titus and the letters that Paul wrote to them, We get the impression that they are absolutely passionate about what they're doing, even though they are facing adversity, and they take the encouragement from Paul as he writes to them to tell them how they should be dealing with people in their communities, how they should be themselves, and how they are empowered by God. And we'll look at that in just a moment. But first, on the Mighty Heart 1027, this is my desire, and I thought it was very appropriate if we listen to the words. Sunrise with Shona Hot 1027. This is My Desire on the mighty Hot 1027. Good morning. If you've just joined us, this is Reverend Shona and we are talking about being passionate about ministry. We've looked at Jesus in John's Gospel saying, I am the gate. And I still wonder what your I am statements were that I asked you to write last week. And now we're going to look at Paul's letters to Timothy and Titus. So who was Timothy? Timothy was a young Christian from Asia Minor. He was the son of a Jewish mother and a Greek father. He became a companion and an assistant to Paul in his missionary work. Paul's first letter to Timothy details three major concerns. A warning against false teaching in the church. This teaching was a mixture of Jewish and non-Jewish ideas and was based on the belief that the physical world is evil and that one can attain salvation through the secret knowledge and by avoiding certain foods and perhaps things such as marriage. Now I find it interesting that he also spoke about these false teachings because, of course, the gospel reading we've just had, Jesus talks about the thieves and the liars um, and how you can perhaps be persuaded to follow them, but there is only one way to inherit this fullness of life that God promises us, and that is through Jesus. So clearly we need to be careful of false teaching, and we need to understand that when people tell us there's a different way or an easier way, we need to discern that along with God and along with people of prayer. Then Paul gives him instructions about church leaders and the admin and the nature leaders should have. Timothy is advised on how to be a good servant leader and his responsibility to different groups of believers. And we need to also understand that in our communities within perhaps even our families we have different groups of people people are different and we called to testify to them um, about God in our lives in different ways you need to speak to people differently I know that having children people say, oh, but there must be one rule for all. There isn't one rule for all because each child is different and responds in a different way. And therefore, you need to find a different way of reaching that child, of bridging that gap, of getting them to understand. And so Paul talks to Timothy and says, to be a good leader, you need to be able to reach the different people within those groups. And he's advised then, Paul on how to do this. So it's about a warning against false teaching, instructions about church leaders and admin, and how to be a good servant leader and be able to be pastoral to all different groups of people. Paul's second letter to Timothy, where we're going to pick up today, is largely personal advice to Timothy as a younger colleague and assistant. And you can read it in 2 Timothy 1, to 1-8. I'm just going to read it to you quickly, to Timothy 1. All an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God, in keeping with the promise of life that is in Christ Jesus. To Timothy, my dear son. So you can hear that he had a good relationship with Timothy. Grace, mercy and peace from God the Father and Christ our Lord. I thank God whom I serve as my ancestors did with a clear conscience, as night and day I constantly remember you in my prayers. And I love that. We should be remembering people in our prayers. And I would love it if people were praying for me day and night. We certainly all need prayer. Recalling your tears, I long to see you, so that you may be filled with joy. I am reminded of your sincere faith, which first lived in your grandmother Lois and in your mother Eunice, and I am persuaded now lives in you also. For this reason, I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God. Isn't that beautiful? Fan it into flame. That's where this passion comes from that I was talking about in Jesus, which is in you through the laying on of my hands. For the Spirit of God gave us does not make us timid but gives us power love and self-discipline so do not be ashamed of the testimony about our lord or of me his prisoner rather join with me in the suffering for his gospel by the power of god so what do we read about there we read about power love and self-control paul has baptized timothy with the holy spirit remember paul was very strong on that You could baptize with water, but people needed to be filled with the Spirit of God. And so we are all filled with the Spirit of God. And therefore, that Spirit gives us the power of God, the love of God, and self-control. When I hear that word power, I always feel a little uncomfortable because I think there is so much corruption. um, And they say absolute power corrupts absolutely. Um, We obviously need to use that power under the authority of God always. But I have been told by people that when the first Christian... Um, when people first take Christ as their Lord and Saviour, that the devil trembles because he knows what power they have even though they don't. So every newborn Christian is filled with that power of God as people have laid hands on them and asked for the Holy Spirit to fill them. So we need to use our power for the good of others, it's not for us to use. And that's what I always feel we get wrong sometimes when we just pray prayers for ourselves. We need to be praying for all people and asking God to enable us to be God's hands, feet, and voice in the world, using that power of God that resides within us for the good of others. Love, of course, we all know about love. There are a whole lot of different forms of love, but the love that God gives us is that agape love, which is an all-encompassing unconditional love. It's not fickle like our human love sometimes is. And then self-control is important. It really is important, um, especially if we're in leadership. We can't afford to have outbursts. We need to be loving, kind, and pastoral to all, no matter what. And so Paul is writing to Timothy, reminding him of how he needs to behave, reminding him of how he needs to be pastoral to all groups, and reminding him that he's filled with the power of God, which is not a spirit of timidity, but a spirit of power, love, and self-control. And therefore, no matter what he faces, he can continue to minister and witness to the truth of the gospel, which is the love of God. As you reflect on that, coming up now on the Mighty Heart 1027, God will make a way. Sunrise with Shona, Hot 1027. God will make a way on the Mighty Heart 1027. Good morning. It's great to be with you. This is Reverend Shona from St. Mark's Anglican Church. This morning we've been looking at Jesus saying, I'm the gate. And I reminded you to look at who you are in Christ and perhaps what it might mean when Jesus says, I'm the gate and how we can only experience a fullness of life that comes from God when we enter through Jesus. We've looked at Paul writing to Timothy a young man who was doing missionary work, encouraging him. And Paul, of course, was a mentor to Timothy. And now we're going to look at Titus, who was also another one of the young men who was doing ministry missionary work at the time. And he was a missionary in Crete. And so Paul writes the following to him. Paul, a servant of God and an apostle of Jesus Christ, to further the faith of God's elect and their knowledge of the truth that leads to godliness, in the hope of eternal life, which God, who does not lie, promised before the beginning of time and which now at his appointed season is brought to light through the preaching entrusted to me, Paul, by the command of our Saviour. To Titus, my true son in our common faith. Isn't that beautiful? You see, you can hear the warmth of Paul's greeting. Grace and peace from God the Father and Christ Jesus our Saviour. And he goes on to talk about how he had left Titus behind in Crete to appoint elders in every single town to share the gospel. So Titus was a Gentile convert, helper and assistant to Paul, and Paul is addressing him, as I said, in Crete. And the letter addresses three main concepts. The first is the nature and character of a church leader, especially considering the bad character of the people of Crete. And I find that quite judgmental in a way, but what he's really stressing is that Titus needs to find people of God who live in godly lives. And those people are the ones who can be the elders. Titus is then advised on how to address and teach different groups in the church, the older men, the older women, the younger men, the younger women, and so on. And again, here we see this, um, the gospel message is for all, and we need to make sure that we package it in such a way, I suppose, embody it in such a way, live it in such a way that people can understand it, that it's accessible for people to understand. And Titus is giving, um, he's given advice from Paul on Christian conduct and how we need to be, And this is what I want to stress today, peaceful and friendly, avoid hatred and arguments and division in the church. Now for me, when we look at this, our religion is based on the hope of eternal life. God who does not lie promised us this from before the beginning of time. So I like Paul's emphasis on that, that God has been present before time began and that we promised eternal life by God who does not lie. And we've got these two young men then aiding Paul in his missionary work, both facing persecution both remaining faithful. And of course they do so through the power of the Holy Spirit. They are filled with this power, love, and self-control. I'm interested in the reference that both are made on how to minister to the different groups, and I think I've stressed that already this morning. Different genders, different positions in society, even slaves. And there's the need then, as I said, I want to look at for us to be peaceful and friendly, avoid hatred and arguments and division in the church. And I'm stressing that this morning because I just can't help but feel that people are very irritable at the moment. People are quite angry at the moment. We see it in the traffic. We see it um, in the shops. We see it all over the place. And I don't think load shedding is helping this irritation, this anxiety, this anger that we're feeling. I think because traffic takes longer, everything takes longer, we have to try and work out when to do our washing. I think that's perhaps what is fueling some of the anger that I'm certainly feeling in and around And we are in this world that's filled with anxiety, fear, worry, critical spirits. The world is not peaceful. People are judgmental. And so into this world, we're called to bring peace. When we listen to what people are saying, we need to hear what they say. But we need to also remember that we mustn't respond in anger because an angry word or an angry response will just fuel that anger. And we're called, of course, to bring God's peace. We're called to be friendly. A smile costs us nothing. I was quite a worried child, and my mother used to say to me, just smile, a smile costs you nothing. And it's true. We can greet people. That also costs us nothing. To smile, be friendly, and greet people, reach out to others. I remember going to a lecture once on radical welcome and how we call called to be friendly to others. Titus is told to avoid hatred. I wonder how often you've heard people say, or perhaps you've said it yourself, one of my children used to say, I hate fish. What they meant was not that they hate fish, they don't like the taste of fish. And so you can rephrase that word. If you find yourself saying, I hate, I'm just issuing a warning to myself, perhaps as well as to you, let's not use those words. Last week we heard how what we bind on earth is bound in heaven. Let's not use words like I hate. Reframe them, rephrase them, say it differently. And if you think that there's someone or something that you hate, let it go change the language, change your thoughts, because we call to to bring that peace of God, that love of God into all situations. Titus is also advised to avoid causing division in the church. Gossip, hearsay, seeking to boost your own cause, justify yourself, all these things cause division, not just in the church, in families, in communities, and we called to be reconcilers, and so we mustn't cause division. If we gossip It's sometimes because we want to gather a following and then we have this lynch mob that comes with us and we can also say to the person but even so-and-so says this about you rather just go to the person one-on-one and express what it is that's hurting you or what you need to speak about and of course we should always be seeking to understand not to divide So as we look at all of this this morning, we see that Timothy and Titus and Paul are passionate for God, just as Jesus was passionate for God, for life, for you and I. We see these young men and the slightly older Paul going out, um, even facing obstacles was not enough to deter them. They continued in their passionate zeal to share the love of God with all they met, the gospel with all they met. And to let people understand how they could experience this fullness of life that only flows from God. And they're given instructions that you and I should embody on how to live in the world so that people can see that love of God active in our lives. I hope that some of this has helped you this morning. I'm going to end with a blessing that I've adapted from Joyce Rapp. In fact, I've added a few sentences based on what we've been sharing this morning. And this blessing goes as follows. May the shelter of God embrace you in your difficult moments. May the dance of God play in your joyful moments. May the passion of God find a home in your heart. May the peace of God be with you wherever you are in your journey of life. And may you sow that peace, that peace of God, in all whose lives touch yours. I really, really love that blessing. And I mean it, and I hope that we're going to pray it through the week for ourselves and for others. To wrap this morning, guide me, O thy great Redeemer, and in Christ alone. I thought both of those were absolutely perfect. We need God's guidance so that we can go through the gate. And in Christ alone, we enter the gate into the fullness of life promised by God. I hope that you have a good week. May God bless you and those you love and pray for. Thank you so much for listening. And if you need to get hold of me, you can on Shona at hot1027.co.za. God bless. Sunrise with Shona Hot 1027.